Welcome to the Three Wins Podcast, brought to you by Legacy Advisory Partners, an Atlanta-based financial services firm that believes that the key to unlocking your company's full growth potential can be found in the Three Wins Framework. My name's Sean Lydon, and I'm the producer of the Three Wins Podcast. If you're a business owner or senior executive who is serious about growth and making your company as valuable as possible, you've come to the right place. We have an amazing episode for you today where Russ Clemmer, the president at Legacy Advisory Partners, joins Mark Walker and Matt Joins on Legacy Senior Investment Team. Today's conversation focuses on non-qualified executive benefits plans which smart companies use as a powerful financial tool to attract and retain their key leaders who are absolutely critical to the organization's long-term success. So what exactly are non-qualified plans? How do they complement qualified plans like 401ks and your company's benefits program? How do they work? And what factors should you consider when putting together a plan? We'll deep dive into these topics and more on today's episode of the Three Wins Podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, Russ Clemmer with Legacy Advisory Partners. And today I'm joined by my two great colleagues, Matt Joins and Mark Walker. And today we wanted to bring a conversation to you about non-qualified executive benefit plans. And we're excited about these because in today's age, when you're trying to scramble and look for talent and keep talent and incentivize your best people, a lot of times culture, which we talk about a lot, is one of the most important things. But you always have to think, all right, how are we helping our highly compensated employees, our leaders, our talent, our our managers, how are we helping them prepare for retirement? And so we'll dive into different ideas and and concepts and thoughts around non-qualified plans today, how they complement qualified plans, and we'll set the stage for our next episode when we join in together and look at how to put one of these plans together, really dig into the nuts and bolts. But for today, thanks, Matt and Mark, for joining us. Glad you guys could join in the next episode here on the Three Wins Podcast. Thanks for Happy to be here. So, you know, with COVID and the economy and yesterday, I think the market dropped with 500 points and, you know, it seems like it's been a roller coaster lately, up a little bit, down a little bit. We're getting close to the election. Nobody knows what's going on. People are scrambling. Some industries are doing well. Pockets within industries are doing well. You're just trying to kind of wait and see what's going to happen. But the big question is, talent is talent. Great employees, great leaders are great leaders and they're going to land somewhere. And so the question is, how do you keep those folks? That's a question you want to ask yourself when the economy is doing great and market is doing great. It's a question you ask yourself now. And so there's different ways of going about answering that question. But when we sit down with folks and we talk through, you know, what that looks like, we often want to know first out of the gate, who are you trying to retain? Who are you trying to incentivize? Who are you trying to attract and pull into your group. And so, assuming you have a good culture, 
right? That's the assumption in this conversation today. Assuming a company has a good culture that's worth leaving another company and joining your company, it's worth sticking around. There's fulfillment, there's encouragement, there's a path to continued success and growth. What about the compensation side? What about the the pay side where you're able to help your leaders prepare accurately and, and do well for retirement. That's where we come up with the, you know, come to the non-qualified discussion. So when we ask that question, guys, what are some of the things y'all hear uh, as far as who are you trying to incent and retain and attract? What are some of the things people say? What kind of groups do do you uh, see out there that that need to be in that uh, classification? Yeah, I think there's a a couple of groups that you are usually identified. First is the your C-suite executives that uh, could be a part of the equation that you're trying to retain. Um, I think the underlying theme is who is making an impact within your company? You know, who is uh, helping you achieve the, the short and long-term goals of the corporation? Even if they were to leave your company, that it would have a significant impact. So that's what we're trying to to. Um, put together a package, you know, that will reward, uh, incent, you know, and, and retain, you know, that group uh, to keep them tied to your business. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes for different companies, it looks a little different. You know, we, we talked with somebody the other day and they have uh, the, the executive group is kind of taken care of, right? Um, and, and often, depending on the ownership structure, if it's private equity uh, or if it's a, a parent company and, you know, from another country or as part of a, you know, kind of a conglomerate of companies, they're very hesitant to do certain things that are deferred for uh, the, the non-qualified being a deferred kind of compensation. And we'll get into, but they're hesitant to do that. And so, um, you know, but other, you know, they want to do it for maybe some other folks within the company, maybe that second tier of, of managers that are still highly compensated. Um, but some companies are, you know, they're, they're smaller and they need a, a core group of people they're trying to carve out of their leadership and they want to have something that they want to put on a table. And so there's many different applications. It's not just something that, you know, big companies, big executives that this applies to. Um, so what's the definition of a highly compensated employee, Mark? Well, there's, there's a few different elements to it for the IRS. You know, one is, you know, compensation uh, on an annual basis. So typically, you know, the 130, 130,000, you know, they update that annually and it's been slowly increasing over time. Um, but it could be broader than that. So it could be, you know, maybe not 130,000 of compensation, but they, are integrally involved in the decision-making process, you know, and uh, impacting the growth in the company, you know, and they have compensation that's, you know, in that 90 to 130 range, so below that, but they have influence in the company that they could be considered a highly compensated employee. Um, so those are kind of the few things that we typically see as part of the definition and, and helping you develop the criteria of who could be a part of a plan. Yeah. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks. I'm little sure power, my- little power adders there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, we're, uh, just enough to knock everything offline. So thank goodness <laughs> for all this virtual stuff. 
There you go. We're defining the the, the type of uh, employee that would would fit into and qualify for a non qualified uh, deferred compensation kind of plan. And we talked about HCEs. Mark gave us an, uh, a definition of HC. So it's really you know that that's really you know people assume well you know we've got this executive group you know the the core leadership group, um, but there are HCEs beyond that group, mm-hmm. and so part of the the reason for these types of plans is to help people prepare for retirement. And that's the way we look at them. That's a, a, one of the practical uses. There are other, you know, functional uses of, of these types of plans. Um, and so that's, when we look at them, we like to look at it. What's the corporate win? You know, how is the company benefiting from putting a plan like this together? And how is the key leader, the highly compensated person, how are they benefiting from, so we want to kind of walk through that a little bit. So, so how does a corporate? Well, huh? One other thing, Russ, I was thinking about is the uh, for the highly compensated group. You know, the IRS is looking for uh, to make sure they're kind of in the top hat. Um, so that's another mm-hmm. piece of the equation that you know typically you don't want to have um, more than ten percent of your employees defined in the the HCE group. So. Uh, which can be tricky within some organizations if it's a you know highly technical or technology company you know they could have compensation uh, that's in that 130 range and above for many employees so you have to further define that to to narrow it down the one thing i wanted to say when we were kicking it off kicking it off before i got kicked off um funny how that works I really enjoy the whole non-qualified um, piece. I think they're uh, they're misunderstood. So they are complicated, as Mark mentioned. You know all the uh, different regulations. Everyone's so used to four hundred one ks. That's you know the standard retirement plan. But the non-qualified piece, it gives you. It's kind of like you know putty. You can just kind of fill it in to meet your needs. And there's so many different ways you can set up a non-qualified plan to really complement other things that you have in place. Uh, and really, you want to define whatever your goals are. If it's to allow you know, more savings for the employees, your highly compensated folks, you can do that, set it up like a top hat, have it complement the 401k and give them expanded limits. If you want to have it just be an employer deferral and a way for you to you know, have bonus awards and Kind of set the benchmarks. It, it's really uh, a great, it, it's such a, I guess, a broad term that you can really design it however you want. But I think a lot of people are just kind of nervous or kind of taken back with how uh, different that they can be and they can see them as kind of really complicated and uh, intimidating. But that gives us, you know, a lot of room for creativity. And that's why I think they're fun is it gives you uh, a tool that maybe they're either the client is either not used to or not comfortable with. Maybe they had a bad experience in the past because they weren't managed correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's, gives us a good tool to kind of go in, ask our questions, figure out where uh, the weakness is or where we can really see kind of the need for, the, uh, for a non-qualified plan and then just kind of fit it in there and design it around what they already have and with their goals in mind. So um, exciting. This is an exciting topic for me, as maybe you can tell. 
Yeah. Well, and it's good to be excited about what you do. And and we like these things and, and we've had a lot of, a lot of uh, years of expertise working with these plans. And I think that's the, the really the key. Um, and that's what we hear sometimes, you know, people say, yeah, we heard about that. And, and, you know, that idea and, you know, just didn't, just didn't seem like a right fit. And sometimes it is, but it's also sometimes because they kind of smelled out, you know, they sniffed out somebody that was talking to them about it that didn't know what they were talking about. Um, and, or, you know, they could sense that somebody was going to be, you know, someone who cut corners or they just wanted they wanted to get the plan in place. And because these plans do take some maintenance, they do take some work. Um, on the advisor side, our side, and the the company side, but you know, getting you're talking about the the three wins. Let's walk through that a little bit of saying, all right. So we know the shareholder, anything that maximizes and grows the value of the company and the annual EBITDA increase, those are good things for the shareholder, right? Those are the, the simple business uh, uh, common knowledge. Um, but so you have the shareholder win and the corporate win is when you have, all right, let's hear the growth plans, hear the forecasts, hear the things that we want to get done in the company, grow EBITDA, grow margin, whatever the goal is, and that's achieved, right? So that's the corporate win. The key leader win is when you give them the opportunity to participate in the success they're helping to create, mm-hmm. right? And that can be defined in, in any number of different ways, but how does a plan like this impact a highly compensated employee? What are the benefits to the employee through this type of plan? Won't knock on the table. <laughs> the well, I think very sensitive. Yeah. The, f- the first piece is for the key executive is, you know, within a 401k plan, there's limits on how much you can defer. So for if you're under age 50, it's 19,500 for 2020. Uh, if you're over age 50, you know, get the, the benefit of putting more in the catch-up provision, 26000 uh, So as your compensation increases, you know, that becomes a smaller and smaller percentage of your overall compensation. Mm-hmm. So in order for them to be you know, what we call financially independent or retirement readiness, um, you know, they, you typically need to defer between 11 and 15% you know, with your money and the company money. So if that number is smaller and smaller of what you can defer in the plan, you know, and the company match, then you're going to need other sources you know, that are tax efficient to be able to save. So that's the first piece of, you know, it allows them a resource to be able to save money and, you know, help them work towards their uh, financial independence number. The second piece, you know, especially if it's a closely held business where you can really define the the corporate goals and objectives. And you mentioned this just a few minutes ago, Ross, of, you know, setting a benchmark and, you know, putting a, um, an incentive out there that, you know, here's the benchmark, but if we achieve X, you know, you're going to share in the success of the company. You don't own any part of the company, but it's going to feel like you are. So, as you're approaching these goals throughout the year and you're communicating it, you know, you're getting this collaboration effect on profits. You're, everybody's leaning in, seeing how, you know, how close we are to achieving it. 
then at the end of the day, you, you've reached this number, you know, and it, it can be a nice reward. You know, some of them are tied to compensation. So you can pick up another 10 or 15% of your compensation um, that's added to the equation and, and defer those dollars, you know, which can, can make a big difference. You know, mm-hmm. when you think about Americans overall, you were typically behind on, on being financially independent. Mm-hmm. So anything that we can do to kind of move the needle and, and make a, some, some large contributions towards that can really change the, the financial trajectory of that employee and that executive. Yeah. It, it, that's really, I think the couple of key takeaways, the, the idea that uh, if you're making, you know, $130,000, you probably have $130,000 lifestyle. So when you retire, you're probably not going to go, you know, to a, a $40,000 lifestyle. Maybe, right? Maybe that's great. You know, most of your lifestyle can be made up out of social security and, and different things, but more than likely, you know, you're not going to immediately, especially if you retire younger, uh, you're not going to be able to just turn around and say, no, I don't need that much money in retirement. You know, my annual lifestyle is is so much less expensive that it's it's okay. Most people need to have saved those dollars. And so if you're only saving 26000 a year, you know, 19 or 20, $26,000 a year, it's not going to cut it. You can't save enough, even with compounding, to get you to a point where you're financially independent. And we define financial independence as being able to have a lump sum of cash where you can live off of the uh, income from a fixed income, a bond portfolio, right? What it pays you every year or a portion uh, and or a portion of the interest that's earned every year on that lump sum. Now, for most people out there, you're going to have to dip into that lump sum through your retirement years, which is okay. But it's nice to have something left over to leave to the kids or leave to the grandkids or pay for this thing or, you know, leave to a charity or a cause that you care about. And so accurately being able to look at it and say, wow, this is another type of plan that allows me to save better and plan better for retirement. I think that's a, a big way of, of looking at it. And, and from hearing you correctly, Mark, what you're saying, I think if you're a big corporation out there, it, it doesn't have to cost the, comp- the corporation anything. It doesn't have to be a bonus that's put into the plan. It can just be employee dollars, right? Walk me through employee yeah. versus employee, employer dollars going into this and how maybe, maybe talk through kind of the, how it sits on top of the K, 401k plan. Yeah. The, the, the plan I was describing before is typically what we'd see, even seeing a closely held business, but for larger corporations, it can just be a, basically a 401, 401k excess plan. So it's just allowing them to defer above the, the 401k limits, you know, that they would set up their, Deferral sources, you know, could be coming from salary, commissions, you know, or performance-based bonus. Um, we have some plans that do have an employer match, a part of the equation. So uh, additional employer dollars, you know, above the 401k. Uh, some that are just employee only, you know, and you still, there's still a lot of value in, in putting money in, even if there's not an employer equation. Um, you know, with elect, you mentioned the election coming up. You know, if, if there is a, a changing of the guard, you know, one of the pieces that's described is you know 
increases in, in tax rates, especially for the, the higher compensated employees. Um, so if that does come to fruition, then you know employees are going to be looking for additional ways to save money on a pre-tax basis where deferred comp could um, have more appeal than even it has currently. Yeah, it, it really... You know, from a from a key leader perspective, or, or you know, a highly compensated person's perspective, um, you know, it really gives you uh, a little bit more control over not only saving for retirement but also managing your tax burden, right? Because you know, if you're making all that money, what use is it if you have to pay most of it out in taxes, right? right. And so everybody needs to pay their fair share, right? And in depending on which administration is in office, that, that the definition of fair share changes. But, and you don't want to skirt that responsibility. You know, you certainly don't want from a legal standpoint to, to not pay your fair share. But the idea is how do you manage it on an annual basis in retirement? And that goes back to the, the idea of, well, if I've saved some money in uh, uh, an after-tax account, and I've also saved some money in a pre-tax account, I can take from either one at my discretion, you know, depending on when I get into retirement. So that's, that's a good use of mm-hmm. this type of plan. So, and I think that's maybe, you know, maybe we can talk for a few minutes on the challenges. Um, we talk with CFOs, we talk with heads of HR and, and often these, these things are, it's just brand new to them or they maybe have been a part of something that was, um, you know, was a bad experience. And so, so what are some, some key takeaways for a CFO or a head of HR or head of comp and benefits or, or an owner of a smaller business that, you know, they can take this and say, this is not more complicated than I can, than I can handle. And, and, you know, how do we walk folks through and get them comfortable with the idea, Mark? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the most important factor when we're evaluating is the corporation, is there a fit for deferred compensation within that corporation is the financial stability of the company. Mm-hmm. So if a company is not profitable, you know, and has been struggling, uh, then it's probably not a great fit to implement a deferred compensation plan uh, because that you know, a deferred compensation plan, you know, is subject to claims of corporate creditors in the event of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So um, the employees could potentially lose money, you know, in the plan if they were to go into bankruptcy. Uh, there's been court cases where you know, employees have received their full account balances. There's also been court cases where they've lost money. So, you know, talking with the CFO, talking with the VP of HR in the, in the committee of understanding their financial structure. And, you know, if that's solid and in place, uh, that's kind of your, uh, what we would say is the, the foundation for, for building a, a plan. Um, but, Above that, once you've kind of identified, you know, who you want to reward and, re- and retain and um, really the, what we try to do at Legacy, and I think that's what differentiates us is that we, we really come alongside, you know, the, the HR team and the finance team to really make things simple. And, you know, we, we prepare all the communication materials, we help uh, host webinars, uh, we conduct the enrollment campaigns. So uh, we really offload a lot of that responsibility and minimize you know, their time 
Uh, so the employer gets the, the benefit of you know, promoting this great benefit you know, to their employees, but they don't have the burden of having to carry it. Um, we help provide the financial reporting that they need on a monthly basis. And um, so it, it, it makes something that can be highly customizable, um, but I, you also uh, very user-friendly for the end result. So that's, we, we, we take some of the fear and concern out of it and, and make it a real uh, user-friendly end product. Yeah. And, and you know, it, in a similar vein, you, there are, you know, complicated and, and uh, difficult to understand types of plans. And so what, what, what we're talking about from a compliance standpoint is 409A. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes you, you'll get something that's complicated and, um, you know, maybe that was your experience. But what we try to do with these specific types of 409A plans mm-hmm. um, non-qualified deferred compensation plans is get them to where they feel as comfortable for the executive as a 401k plan. They're different, right? There's, there's, there's differences and we'll go through those on this, uh, on the next conversation, but they are oriented to where you can help allow someone to prepare well for retirement as a highly compensated employee and uh, to manage their taxes well, right? To manage their tax obligation and liability well, and also to allow them to be plugged into the annual success of the company, allowing them to have that feeling of this is what, you know, my contribution in a clear way contributes to both the culture of the company and the financial success of the company. And when the company is able to succeed, this is how I'm able to participate in that uh, as well. And I like the point we, when, you know, it's one thing to get one of these plans set up and it looks good and it feels good and everybody is all communicated. Right. And that's what we see the first year. Okay, great. We have it in place and let's go hit that benchmark. Let's go hit that goal. And, and um, especially if it's a bonus type plan, but then, you know, a lot of times the, the advisor who puts one of these together, they'll just walk away. You're like, all right, you guys have it. You know, you, you're, you're in, your internal team can manage it. And, you know, right. congratulations and you're welcome. Uh, legacy stays with it. And so there are annual uh, uh, steps that we have to take. And we put together a service calendar to make sure that this is something that not, we don't only, not only put in place, uh, help put in place, but also uh, be able to uh, manage on a consistent basis communicating with participants, making sure that the people who are controlling from executive position, a leadership position, they know what their role is with the plan on a timely basis in compliance with government regulations. So that's really, you know, maybe, you know, one of the thought is, uh, you know, as we're kind of going through this, um, you know, the, the, the idea is that uh, you, know, you, you've, you may have a plan that you're thinking about putting in place, but we also come on and, and kind of rehab uh, existing plans. You know, maybe yeah. the person who put one in place uh, put it together the wrong way. There's poor communication with the participants. Nobody understands why it's there or what the benefit is. You know, all of the reporting and everything else is a day late and a dollar short. You always feel like you're catching up. It's a burden and it's an anchor instead of a sale 
that's being set up, an additional sale that's able to catch some of that momentum and that enthusiasm and, and help move the company forward. What are a couple steps, um, Mark, that we take to help rehab plans when they're in place? What are the, some of the things that we see and, and can help with? Yeah, I think you, there's, you know, we're in the middle of uh, two um, campaigns right now for long-term clients. So you know, one of the, the plans we've managed for 16 years for corporation, another one is, you know, 15 years. So in both of those plans, you know, we, we took them over uh, and we, we found many things that were broken. So first is, you know, we evaluate what is the utilization rate? How many people are, are using the plan? Uh, so we typically find, you know, plans that are broken, very low utilization rate. So maybe in the 10 to 15% range. Um, and then we try to determine, well, how is this being communicated? So typically there's no communication to the employees, you know, maybe it's just an email saying open enrollment, you know, is being is going on for the next two weeks. Good luck, <laughs> you know, determining if you want to join the plan or what the benefits could be. Right. Um, so stepping that up of, you know, producing, you know, enrollment materials, hosting, you know, webinars, uh, being available for calls, reaching out to employees, uh, being as, as hands-on as the company will allow us. Um, and then actually getting into kind of the financing of the plan. So many times we can find the, you know, how the company is setting aside assets to informally fund the plans um, is not been set up properly, or there's not a, a tight correlation strategy to, to what the participants are doing overall and as a liability for the corporation, you know, that they're matching that same investment strategy on the corporate side. So we'd call that a mismatch where, you know, the, they're not closely aligned and that could create some financial issues for the corporation. So we help go in and secure those items, make sure there's tight correlation, make sure the, you know, sometimes it's implementing efficient funding, you know, where we're using um, corporate owned life insurance or trust owned life insurance where the corporation gets to enjoy some tax to grow ability to take out money, you know, tax free, um, have some tax free death proceeds that may occur in the plan. So those are all kind of elements that, that we can go in and uh, make a sick plan healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's right. You know, it's good to, to set one up, but if, if you find yourself uh, with one that you'd either don't understand, or maybe you're a new, uh, you know, person in comp and benefits or HR and, or on the CFO side of things, you may have inherited one uh, in a, in a new role that uh, you don't understand. Nobody can tell you, you know, why it was set up or who, you know, nobody understands it either. Um, you know, it's one of those things that needs to be fixed in, in oftentimes we'll have someone that just says, Hey, come in here and help me get this thing right. Uh, show me what needs to happen. And so we'll walk through and do a triage and, and make sure that um, there's a path to getting it set up. And so next time on our, on our next uh, uh, podcast uh, coming up next, um, a couple of things you mentioned that I want to highlight. So what we'll do on the next one is we'll have a whiteboard session. So I want everybody who's listened to this podcast to tune in for the next one. Um, we'll, we'll come out within a couple of weeks 
but what we'll do is a whiteboard session where we go through how to set up a plan. Okay. And so we'll do, we'll do it through the perspective of a smaller business owner who's doing this for, you know, a handful of guys on a leadership team um, uh, and, and uh, wants to just, you know, give them an opportunity to uh, participate as if they were owners, but it, you know, they don't want to give up any ownership, you know, so w- one of those kinds of perspectives, but we'll also look at say a public company that's got, you know, 75 people who are in that highly compensated group who need one of these types of deferred compensation plans that help focus on retirement. We'll walk you through what it's like to put one of those plans in place, all of the nuts and bolts, the compliance side, uh, the IOU liability side, because, you know, you're holding on to compensation and, and saying that you'll pay it to them later. Um, what it's like to communicate with participants so that they accurately and clearly understand what the plan is and why it's there for their benefit. Um, and, and walk you through all the different types of plan design options and how these types of plans differ from a 401k as you're considering those plan design options. Um, and so it'll be a valuable uh, uh, whiteboard session. We'll go through that and uh, we, we invite you to that. Uh, but for today, thank you for joining us on our, our uh, next episode here of the Three Wins podcast. Uh, look below in the comments section, we'll post a one pager where it kind of summarizes uh, if you're in a position where you have a plan and you need help getting it uh, uh, rehabbed, uh, or you want to consider a plan, but just haven't found someone that uh, can can speak to one accurately. We'd love to help you with it and appreciate you joining uh, us on our podcast today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Matt. I know Matt uh, ducked out there a little bit. <laughs> Come on, a little, <laughs> we don't know where he went, but uh, he'll be on the next one. So thanks, everybody. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Three Wins Podcast. We have links to some awesome resources in the show notes. And if you haven't already done so, please click subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes of the Three Wins Podcast. This is Sean Lydon signing off for now. Until next time, we'll see you then.